1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron havegood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing,
0: boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. A uh, little bit of news this week in the old uh, ACT, the the, bi- the big capital of, of the country. Did you uh, read about that this week? About cars becoming all electric, they reckon, by two 2000- thousand. And thirty five.
1: Well, the banning of selling of petrol cars by twenty thirty-five, that's a it's an interesting read. It, how quickly people start to you know, no longer looking to purchase diesel manufactured vehicles because by this stage obviously there's gonna be far more stringent emissions challenges. What does that mean for people that travel off the grid, you know, throughout the middle of Australia? Um, who don't have necessarily access to top up your charge, you might have a, um, you know, your solar power. But is it going to make ch- uh, driving around Australia challenging? Certainly, it's going to make driving around Canberra challenging. But it, does it change your view on what your next purchase will be?
0: No, it doesn't. And to be honest with you, I can't. I like ten years. Say say ten years. I know it's a couple more, but say ten years time. Mm -hmm. things change so quickly in 10 years like it does change quickly but it also happens quite quickly as well in the same aspect of it like all of a sudden you're like oh geez 10 years has gone by so quick so from right now where we stand with electric cars and i guess what the capabilities are on the off-road side of things and what you and i use the cars for i just can't see how in 10 to 13 years that it's going to be <laughs> going to be, I guess, practical in, in the aspect of traveling the country with the caravan family, like you said, or even towing a boat down the road to go fishing.
1: It's going to be weighted numbers for Australia. As soon as there's all car manufacturers manufacturing a whole different range of models, where their networks can then intertwine and you can use the charging capabilities of other networks. That's the challenge in Australia. We just don't have that volume that they have overseas. So, you know, whilst we've seen there's plenty of Teslas on the road now, we need Ford, Toyota, Hyundai, you know, all the the big manufacturers, volume manufacturing stacks of these for it to be – one, cost effective because what you purchase price when you first buy these things. I mean, we look at the the Ford Lightning. That is not going to be a cheap truck when it and if it arrives in Australia. But if there's greater competition from Toyota, from Dodge, etc., then that price bracket will come down. The same thing with the charging network. So I think it'll get there. But it's interesting to see that Canberra have, uh, have earmarked it at 2035. I think we've seen overseas 2030 is around the mark. Certainly, um, through, through Britain. So that's interesting. Um,
0: you don't actually have to like, for instance, your car, you don't actually still drive it. You still drive your car. They're not taking the road, but you just can't purchase, uh, I guess a petrol or diesel car, um, yeah, after 2035 in Canberra. That's what they're stating. So, well, that's what they're aiming for. Anyway.
1: No, you go to another state. It's like when you want to buy fireworks. You go to Canberra because that's <laughs> where you can get them from.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, what are your thoughts on this while we're in the cars as well? Something I read during the week. I actually think you might have sent it to me. BMW, I'm just going to put it straight up, want more money. To well, they do. And things in their Car sales.
1: (laughs) You know, Tesla have looked at this as well. So BMW, what they've stated is there is a subscription to unlock certain features in your vehicle, heated seats being one of them. Now, this is something that Tesla can also do, whether it's the updates that they provide with their car that unlock certain features. So, you know, will we get to a stage where – Depending on what you spend on your car, you might have a the top of the range, but you might only access certain features depending on how much tech's involved in it. So it's an interesting one. I, so, I,
0: so I think I back, we pay enough I, for
1: vehicles as it is.
0: I backed the boat down to go fishing, Pat, and hold on, easy tow. They're going to say to you, you haven't paid your subscription this week. You can't use the boat catch. <laughs>
1: What's <laughs> well, going on, man? No, you know, you know what it would be. You haven't paid your subscription. You can't look at the rear view facing camera. <laughs> so you got to stick. You got to stick your head out the window. Hey, um, this is something that we like, Redmond. Dick Fisheries Authority. Uh, during the week, they have stocked uh, two thousand brown trout at Green Hill Lake. Four thousand rainbow trout. Um, all thanks to a local fisherman from uh, Ararat Fishing Club um, who who pushed it hard. Uh, Once again, that stocking program that we often talk about, Redmond, and having your finger on the pulse for when these are released, it's, you know, if you keep across it, then in another 12 months' time, these are places you go back and fish and you should do quite well.
0: Another. While you're on the fisheries topic as well, there was something horrific during the week, and I'm sorry if I've stole your gaff, but I think it's worthy of a mention at the start of the show. This: Uh, 480 fish were caught uh, or were impounded by fisheries, as well as their illegal fishing gear uh, in Werribee South. So Mm. they were allegedly using a trammel net and often operating without lights on the nets in itself, which are dangerous as well. But there's a talk us through. Talk us through
1: the travel net, Aaron. Because netting in Port Phillip Bay, we know it's banned anyway for for commercial use, uh, uses. Let alone you know recreational. Like in a, in Victoria, you cannot even use a cast net. Um, so this is something that you know well and truly exceeds what's legal.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not a I'm not a netter by any chance. I'm done minimal to nothing of it. But basically, it's set up either either side, and you can drag it together and collect. Yeah. What's inside of it, as such, and the netters did use this net uh, quite productive. It is a very productive net. The problem is the kill that it has, as well as what not just on the species uh, on this specific species in Brim. It's the other species. Like we, I seen, I read here that there was multiple estuary perch. There was all sorts of stuff in in the in the capture from fisheries after they impounded everything. But what I'm worried about, though, Pat, is so in all in all, it come to 180 kilos of fish. Like That's a yep. lot of undersized brim, etc. and it's just ridiculous. Now, what I, I read some comments on there. This is a place this is where the fish were taken that a lot of young kids and whatnot, like I did when I was a kid, you used to head down to the Panklack when you were a kid or down to Moggs off the beach. Yep. Or I headed down to the Bowen River. People in that area, kids head down there to go fishing, and just wonder how much of an impact, something so significant will have on that fishery in itself, especially a species that you, you, I'll mention yourself, you love to catch in your old man, Brim. It takes so long for them to grow. You know, haven't gone out there and just knocked a tuna on the head, like here and there. Like it's, you've literally knocked out a species in a specific inlet or river system that I guess takes 20 years to grow to a certain sites.
1: Yep, the four people involved will appear in court, face charges, uh, but their boat's been seized, their vehicle, trailer, obviously the fish and all the fishing equipment and nets. So it's a fair price to pay. As is um, caught our eye on the weekend, Redmond, before we get into your weekend in fishing, um, the octopus taking the seagull off the top of the surface of the water you know, TikTok's great for these sorts of things. There's plenty <laughs> of junk that's on, the, that's on the internet. But an octopus has been filmed, jaws-like, coming from the depths of the ocean and inhaling a seagull that was swimming on the surface. Like, it's terrible, but it was hilarious to watch.
0: You're shocking i felt sorry for the poor little girl goes in the background i can't watch it anymore I'm there going, oh. literally an octopus has grabbed a seagull from shallow waters and drowned it literally drowned it and there's a bloke in the background and goes well that's nature at its best it, like, it begs it? it begs
1: the question what's the worst thing that you've seen on the water in terms of nature is there anything that, that sticks out? You've obviously plain, seen plenty of killer whales throughout your time. Um, I've seen throughout my time off Moggs um, Creek, sort of areas inlet, the one thing that we did see was a pod of killer whales, what looked like to be herding a southern right whale. We didn't see the end of it, but we just saw them surrounding it, and you don't have to be Einstein or David Attenborough to figure out where that goes. That was one of the more amazing things that that I've seen. Is there anything that you've seen throughout your experiences was, where it's just mother nature
0: i was diving off the back of uh, sorrento i don't know it was the back of point longsdale one time and i had this beautiful crayfish and i'm trying to get this crayfish out pat and it was coming to my hand like i was trying to tease it up with a bit of bait and it's coming to me and it's coming to me and all of a sudden this crayfish disappears Gone, completely gone. I'm like, where the hell's this thing? So I'm running out of air. Gibbsy goes back up to the top, mate of mine, and I'm like, oh, I'll give it a couple more minutes. I'll stay down there. So I'm stay down looking for this cray. It was a nice cray, and I know I now know why the uh, crayfish disappeared because the octopus wrapped itself around my arm while I was trying to grab oh. this cray. It locked onto me, and I couldn't get the thing off. And I don't know if that's just awkward, weird, or if anyone's had this happen before. But when an octopus grabs you, I don't think there's any more weird awkward frightening thing that can happen in the ocean Did i don't think do they have you know, one
1: of those like the beaks are those things real can you feel yeah,
0: that 100%, they'll bite you the, the, the bastard they'll bite. But it grabbed me in my hand where i had the bait trying to get this cray and it came from the side i didn't even see it coming like and obviously that's why the cray disappeared because they are uh, petra octopus have uh, i mean crays have dramas with octopus especially the cray guys that uh that cray uh, with their pots and octopuses get in and they eat all the meat out of it and they leave the leave shell. The shell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, well, this one was going to leave my skeleton in my hand. But anyway, I managed, to – I pulled my hand out and the thing kept holding on and I managed to get it off. It didn't bite me or anything, but I don't know. That was a pretty weird thing to happen in the ocean when you just don't. <laughs> expect, like, we always see octopus and we, I try and avoid him just because I don't yeah, like creepy. There's no person yeah. who octopus other than the fact I don't like them. <laughs> they, uh, they stay away. So yeah, that was pretty weird. But. Other than that. Have you
1: seen have you seen My Octopus Teacher?
0: Yeah, you may have watched it and I actually was very impressed with your recommendation.
1: Yeah, for anyone out there that hasn't seen this show on I'm ninety-nine percent certain that it is Netflix. It's called My yeah. Octopus Teacher. Yep. And it it tells a story. I think that the guy in the story is South African, divorces from his wife, but he he strikes up this relationship and he swims with this octopus every single day. It is one of the more amazing things that both you and I have have ever watched in regards to documentaries. Um, it's up there with the rescue of the um, you know the Thai soccer team, but it's yeah. definitely worth um, definitely worth your while. My octopus teacher on Netflix, if you love the ocean and you love what lives inside of it.
0: How do you reckon the um, missus misses will go if I come home and go, hey Kari, just um made a friend with an octopus while I was diving the last few trips? Well, maybe it speaks to while he was divorced <laughs> and single. Hey,
1: let's uh right. let's get to your week in fishing because something you want to cover this week. In the depths of winter, it's bloody freezing at the moment, but it doesn't mean that there isn't great captures of fish out there, particularly the flathead and garfish at the moment. Something people tend to forget the gars are brilliant this time of the year, Redmond. It can be a bit cold at night, but you can get your net, do a bit of dipping, or if you want to bait fish for them, you've got all the technique down pat.
0: Yeah, the garfish are ripping fish to catch for this time of the year, especially you're approaching like a school holidays period and you want to get the kids out there. Uh, you said before, dip netting and whatnot, it is extremely fun at night, but it's cold. But um, there's so many options for garfish. You can use the boat to catch these fish as well, or piers. They're all made. They're all made, uh, I guess, t- with lights. So these days, pi- pretty much all piers have lights, and the lights will attract these garfish. They're attracted to it. Yeah, especially at the night, uh, early morning, or just going into dark and just after dark. So during the day, you want to try and get to the deeper parts of the water for the garfish. That is the ideal situation. But early morning and sunset, I'm telling you, you could be in a foot of water, and the guys will be in that close and nice and shallow. But I know the light's great. It'll bring him to an area but a nice burly trailer is the key. You need to have something simple. You can just get a bread mixture with a bit of tuna oil, chuck it in a loaf of bread, smash it up, put it in a cheap $2 bloody plastic burley pot, hang it over the sides to the top and just shake it. And that'll work really, really well. A key with garfish fishing is a float and split shot sinkers to keep your float upright now, if you do want to specifically see exactly how you do it, I've got plenty of content up on the Salt Guide website. If you do want to watch how to how, how to actually physically do it, because explaining it on here it can be a little bit tricky at times when I say put things here. But a float with a nice nice thin leader, like four or six pound leader, can even go lighter if you really want to, with an extremely small garfish hook. So, in the frogly in the Gamagatsu range, I think it's a size fourteen. And when I say size fourteen, Pat, it is tiny, like. Yeah, super they're tiny, not big. Super tiny. Yeah, the smaller the hook, the more you'll catch. And the people complicate things. They're using all these silverfish and everything. Silverfish is a great bait, but prawn works well. A bit of pippy works well. No, The other week when I was catching them, I was catching them on squid. So just take a couple of silverfish out, maybe a few handful of pippies, cut them up really small, and you'll be able to catch yourself plenty of garfish right around, at the moment, right now. Hawthorne Bay is on fire. I know there's a heap in South Australia as well, and I did see some reports on the East Coast too. So there's plenty of garfish around in the winter months, and they eat really well. But not only that, snapper season is only around the corner. We're a few months away now. Freeze up, cry back him, and the heads and the tails will make brilliant snapper bait. But not just that. As we approach the summer months, you can turn the garfish into swim baits. They swim really well uh, when you're trolling them. If you can bring them up properly with a sinker under their jaw, they will swim really well for kingfish. Kingfish, dynamite kingfish bait Pat. The, the uh, long liners, old school boys, used them a long time ago in the rip down here, and they will work really well on a rod as well if read correctly.
1: Beautiful work, Redman. We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way this morning. After the break, we'll find out what's biting in your part of the country. We'll follow up on the big flathead that Aaron's been catching of late, all that, and, of course, the social club, uh, as well as all aboard for Domanic a little later on. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country. Let's start with the eastern seaboard and New South Wales, Redman. There's been some big yellowfin being caught, but more excitingly on lures and stick baits, Redman.
0: Baseman's bay has been the key this week pat up north of it uh just a little reminder out there from the rain that they've had up um, i guess new south wales into queensland just be careful on the water at the minute i've seen some logs and stuff offshore as well as uh can you report to that yeah port hacking the botany had a heap too so be be mindful when you're out there but yeah the yellow fin north of Baseman was a beautiful fish up to 60 to 80 kilos some really good ones so uh if you are on the lures Use your sound to locate the fish, blah, blah, blah. But the stick baits, get the boat in front, the direction they're travelling quite often. They'll be on series working the top. Get in front and make sure you mate, cast, and if he doesn't, have a little spray.
1: <laughs> so, So in terms of getting in front of the fish, is there a balance yep. of not spooking them? Like how close can you get in terms of approaching those fish? Because you don't want to get too close where all of a sudden they dive again and then you're trying to, you're trying to chase them where they where they rise and then where they're travelling yeah. to. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I don't. I don't actually have an answer for it. It's it's going to be one of on those day things. Like just to give you an example, I was at Port Macdonald last week fishing with Lee Rayner and chasing barrel bluefin. And the amount of school tuna that are there at the moment are a joke. And just to give you an example, and just tuna, these school fish were schooling up in football field sizes pat and i'm talking like 15 of them in the space of three four kilometers like just incredible they like in this big area just school and they're jumping out of the water stupidly like full up busting like crazy as you could get it i come back here and i chase the gummies during the week and i had a pack of school tuna jumping offshore I couldn't get within 300 metres of this school. Where those schools out there, we're not scared of anything. So I could literally drive the boat, stop the boat in the middle of them, and they'll still—I could have grabbed them out of the water to tell you the honest truth. So, just to give you the example there, that you're just going to have to be smart on the day, have a look yeah. at them, read They're the conditions, a bit, 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 yeah, bit, bit. Oh, I guess timid make sure you just stay off them a bit or set your boat a bit smarter. But if they're not, if they're crashing and bashing and they're really having a go, get as close as you physically can to them and really get a cast across the school and make sure you bring it in front of the heads of the direction that they're swimming. And you should get a bite, especially on a stick bait, the way they're feeding.
1: Let's talk the George's River. It's, again, producing some really nice flathead. Uh, The best way to go about targeting the Redman?
0: Yeah, the double in the Georges at the moment, the double clutch divers. Like, it's not something I've done a hell of a lot of, uh, but they're just a big diver, and getting them down to the bottom is the key. And I reckon if they're working, some big plastics, Pat, would work really well too, especially for those biggest bigger size ones. Uh, speaking of Lee Rayner, just before, Lee's always been one of those guys. He does a lot of this stuff in the uh, in Malacuda and the lakes and whatnot. Big, big plastics, big jig heads, really hitting the ground stirring up the bottom stirring up. And, yep. yeah so make sure you give it a go if you are chasing inflated wherever you are right around the right around the country
1: further north uh heading to queensland fishing offshore from Bundaberg. there's been great bottom fishing with sweet lip coral trout and red emperor to name a few fishing really well from Bundaberg. best way to target those redmen? we're using baits if yep. we stir them up does it mean we're starting to use jigs best way to target them
0: yeah the, the jigs will work and whatnot but for the bigger fish the live baits have just been really really good like really good so make sure you get liveies down there um check your rules and regulations as we found out pat finishing with dennis Daly, we fished with a guide up there and yeah we weren't allowed to do certain things which luckily we went with the guide who could say right you can't do that because yeah. we just would have been honestly, species yeah, yeah. yeah we would have been in trouble doing the wrong thing just to catch that fish so Will change in certain parts of Queensland where you're fishing regarding the species, but live baits have been very, very good. Uh, out
1: from the Gold Coast, the snapper fishing has been red hot with some eight-plus kilo fish being caught. Uh, a few big cobia, Redmond. I know you love to bring up cobia, given the size of uh, the last cobia that you caught was, I think, approaching four feet long. We
0: weren't even pat, describing pat, 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 it in pat, kilos. Nearly, it was nearly nine foot now. It's been a few years. It's nearly, <laughs> nine, it nearly nine foot. No, some of, of, these, some of these cobia at the Gold Coast make, make that little thing we got tiny. Like, it was – some of them are massive, as big as a human, as big as a grown man, like 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 us, like literally like 1.8. They're massive fish. So they pull. Well, they up often up. get
1: they often get mistaken for sharks when you first hook up.
0: Yeah, well, these things like they may as well be sharks, they're that big. So they are they are literally a tremendous fish to catch sports fishing-wise. And we ate it and we really enjoyed eating it. So they they eat really well too. But of course you can have the option of releasing them because they release really well. Uh, even if you do bring them up through the water column, not like a lot of other, I guess, uh, reef species that tend to have their swim bladder go, especially fishing anything sort of over that 15, 20 metres.
1: Heading west, there's been some good reports of long tuna being caught out of Xmouth, which isn't hugely um, surprising given the plethora of fish on offer at Xmouth. Uh, but there's a handful of guys that have been chasing them with flies, which is interesting, Aaron
0: yeah that's your neck of the woods pat i don't even talk about that that's uh <laughs> that sounds stupid if you ask me no it's uh it looks cool i watched a video on it as well they're yeah once again getting in front of the schools of fish they're, the key to the fly is you don't have that penetration as such that you do with casting a stick bait you need to wind up and get your get, and get your rhythm going and watching the boys they were setting the boat up correctly is just what we spoke about a few minutes ago about the yellowfin so yeah, same, same system goes, Pat, and, yeah, as you know, getting in front of them, I know you do a bit of salmon chasing on them, getting in front of them, and it just works. If you get in front of the school, you don't want to be behind them because they're moving one way and their eyes are pointing one way. So get in front and you let their eyes do the work and you should catch fish.
1: I was having this debate with uh, my physio, the Geelong Cats, around fly fishing, and is it possible to catch a barrel bluefin on fly
0: at the moment, the way they're going at Port McDonald, I'm actually a bit worried about take, going to the toilet over the side, I'll be honest. That's how easy they're coming in the boat, Pat. <laughs> I reckon you've got a but, chance, I reckon you've got a chance could, on fly.
1: So you reckon you would? What, what leader would you – like, so – but you'd have to be – it would have to be an 80-pound leader.
0: Oh, but got, they're not.
1: No, they're obviously not picky.
0: I've got no idea how you do it because I'm 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 a you're the fly fishing guru. Yeah, no, that one. Uh, no. So, so you have your fly. Got, so you go you go heavy. That's fine. Well, but you need it. you're going to have to play it out. Like you're just gonna it's just going to be time. It's going to be one of those fish that you're going to have to. Oh, you definitely hook up if you put something in there. Like if you are you allowed to put a pilchard on as a fly.
1: <laughs> well, you can, but it defeats the purpose. Well, if, but if you put it in an uh, imitation pilchard, yeah. what would be the minimum size leader to attach to your
0: fly line that oh, you would need? We've dropped down to 80 this year and been – So you can do it 80. You, yeah, but we've been – I haven't landed one on 80 this year, but I know a few of the boys that have. You're just going to have know. to get lucky where the fish hooks. So Lee and I got a fish last week that went – it was just over 100 kilo, and it went – It what did it, it – it took a – 120 pound fluorocarbon in the black magic range at the time, the leader was. Yep. And I reckon if Lee had have fought the fish any longer than the next few minutes, I reckon we would have been done for.
1: Challenging. Yeah.
0: Like the, the, the line looked like, you know, when you get a rope and you know, it splits in the middle and it all starts to fray, that's what fray, the fluorocarbon yes. like. Just from where it was hooked quite deep, hence why we kept it. And it was, must have been rubbing really tight through the corner of the jaw. So you're going to need luck. You're Going to need persistent fly fishing because there's about 500 boats every single calm day out there now. And but the fish are erupting, Pat, like erupting, like you'll get so many shots of putting a fly in front of a fish 100%. You would, and you're just gonna when I say erupting, like just everywhere, barrels like it's just it's it's hard to explain, but it's it's, it's amazing to watch, um, absolutely amazing.
1: We'll get to South Australia in just a sec. Finishing off the west, uh, East Kimberley's been fishing really well. Black Jewfish on live bait has been working a treat. Uh, let's get to South Australia. Uh, the Broughton River has been fishing really well on Murray Cod this week. Uh, cheese spinnerbaits um, working best. It, it it does hurt us whenever we bring up cheese and fishing for something as beautiful as a Murray Cod, but that, that is what the report ha- has been. Streaky Bay has been loaded with Trevally and they're fishing really quite well at the moment. Uh, remember, they've got soft mouths, uh, so you need to lift them up with care or use a net. Back to our discussion around uh, Port Mac. So there's so many boats. Does It It obviously doesn't matter at the moment. You've just got to do the time in the water, and you'll give yourself a chance of catching a barrel of bluefin tuna.
0: No, nah, I shouldn't say the, the, the little joke before because it, 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 there's they're still a very – challenging fish to catch and boats are probably the biggest challenge pat like they're just you mean cutting off yeah but like the other day on a bait ball i don't know how i, I like I'm pumping up my own ties here a little bit i don't know how we drove this fish out of this i think there was about 18 boats on this one bait ball within three minutes of it coming up and we hooked up one of the first ones richie Baller actually hooked up first i think we were i think castar hooked one got cut off and then we hooked up as well and we're trying to get on this bait ball And somehow you got to keep the boat on top of the fish and hope people sort of move. And by the time the fish, the fish sort of goes back to the pack and you want to get it out and edge it out slowly. And I'm in reverse doing all sorts of maneuvers, trying to protect this fish from other boats. Meanwhile, trying not to crash as well. But Pat, that same day, I just said to you, there was 18, say 20 boats in that one spot. There was Mm -hmm. also another 20 that weren't in the area at the time. And there was only a handful of fish caught for the day. Now, I had a few boys that fished over the weekend where there was no boat traffic at all. They all got three to six bites over the weekend, but it was rough as all buggery. It was rough. So it is definitely affecting the bite. But the day before Lee and I went up, there was once again, slightly busy on the water, probably not as busy as the day Lee and I were there, but every boat once again had two, three, up to seven bites. I know the real-time crew, had seven bites in that one day. So it's it's a great fishery. It's a bit temperamental at times with boats, but if you can get a bit of wind on it and you can use your abilities if you're comfortable to be out there, you will catch fish. You will catch fish. It is – they're in the exact same spot. They haven't moved. They're four to six k's from the ramp. They're sliding up and down from the ramp to the lighthouse, and basically it's, it's, it's just a fishery that – I don't I, – I, it's unbelievable how many fish are there. Unbelievable. Like, I don't know how to explain it.
1: Uh, Tasmania, the salmon and the tailor have been biting well, Redmond. Uh, metals have been the, the target choice of lures.
0: Yeah, metals are always good. Uh, they just work for salmon and tailor, as you know, especially uh, on the beaches and in rivers and inlets. They just work really, really well. Uh, upgrade the hooks to a single if you're doing some releasing because those trebles will destroy the mouths as uh, they just – not only that, they're more dangerous for your own hands, to tell you the truth. But upgrade them to a single hook, chuck one on the back, and you'll have no dramas. The Tamar has been red hot on the whiting front this week. Some big fish around, and squid have been their best bait as well, of course. The squid's always fantastic. So big fish, Pat, whiting over there, all bloody 45 to 55 centimetres. So – Fantastic fishery in Tasmania there for whiting.
1: That wraps up uh, the Whipperan where we find out what's biting in your part of the country. There's plenty more real adventures to come after the break.
2: All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for all aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure. Dometic Our special guest this morning is none other than Bashar Hawley, Richmond Premiership player. Uh, I think you're in. I think all the Premiership players became life members. Bash straight away, yeah, wasn't?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think you you win one, you become a life member. I don't know how other rules are, at other clubs, but um, yeah. It's, if you get one, you get become life member. So it's good. I like Fantastic. How you
0: him as a Richmond footballer, I like refer to him as full-time fisherman, slightly yes. footballer.
1: yes, know? that's very true. I like that. <laughs>
0: and now, and and we can't uh, we can't miss
1: the new book either, Redmond. That's the other thing. Bash, tell us about that.
2: Yeah, it's uh, a little bit different, a little bit easier. Than that. The first book, mate. To be quite honest, the first one took me about eighteen months, but the other one's obviously a, a kid's book with my uh, one of my daughters, Sarah. Uh, even though my younger one. Thinks it's her book. Uh, but <laughs> she, goes, she goes to the kinder thinking it's her book, showing all her friends and her teachers. So uh, they're just waiting for me to make an appearance so I can read the book to the to the kids there. But um, all good, yeah, it's a low key one, mate. Just more so um, like a picture book, few words, targeting you know younger kids. But um, yeah, a, for Aaron.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just looking at it now on your Instagram bash, and I reckon I could read that. <laughs> <laughs> hey now
1: uh we do want to get to the fishing because your exploits over the last few weeks have been spectacular tell us about your time on the water and the benefits of putting the Tom on because you've had some phenomenal results
2: yeah i mean obviously all uh fishers know that the more time you put on the water with a little bit of knowledge with um i guess always open for the, for opinions from others, you know, get the job done. But um, it doesn't guarantee Well But one thing is he's got to obviously put time on the water. I've read knows that really well. He's probably done done that more than anyone, and now he gets better results than anyone out there. So, um, yeah, it's been good. Last few chips have been good. I missed last week. Before that, got a few. Yesterday, I got a couple, which was good. So a couple of uh, tuners there for those who um, I was just about
0: to say don't just make out that you're up there with Pat and the trouts in Mop's Creek.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what have you been catching Bash because uh, I know I
0: was up fishing next year last week or the week before and yeah. what do we what, what were you catching uh, we're
2: going for uh, bluefin tuna so we're
0: targeting the barrels uh, yep which is, uh, what are these at 60 kilos plus Red I classify, I
1: classify a <laughs> barrel as 100 you go 100 don't you <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's my rule so it's uh i only say that just to stir the boys up when they get a 96 <laughs> but uh what if, what if, what, pat and i were earlier in the show talking about uh the barrel bluefin season and i've been harping on about it uh for quite some time on basically port mcdonald where these fish have held and people are probably sort of sick of hearing the way i explain it and i just want you to explain the way that you've experienced it it's been phenomenal as they can t- as anyone that is listening right now it's been phenomenal phenomenal the fishery that we've seen but to be able to go and experience and basically be so confident in getting a fish down there what has been your best methods and what have you found this year fishing out of portland donald to compare to other places
2: yeah that, it's um good another method i know you probably have before red but um but I've been introduced by baiting. You know, it's something you do for for marlin. Uh, yeah. Methods to, to fish, as opposed to just putting a spread out of lures, which can be really, really, really boring. Um, so that, that's something that's um, you know that's been really go you know, more often, as opposed to just typical barrel fish, where you you run your spread out for eight or nine hours, and you know you might find a bait, you know, a bait ball, and you go over that. Um, but now it's about, you know, putting some fresher bait in front of them, um, and they're all more, they're more enticed to take in that. So I've picked that up, which has been really good, and it's, uh, it's, it's great to, to be able to find ways. something that could be pretty boring at times, it's very rewarding when you look up and land. But you want to have fun at fishing as well. And the, the fact, you know, you get a rod and off, and you can't, it reminds you of marlin fishing. So I sound like a pro, but. Trust me, I'm a big fan. I've just, I've just listened to the pros talk, and I'm starting to implement their wording and the way they, uh, they talk. But anyway, it's, it's been good. It's been really good, and I'm, I i can not believe, as you said, the, the, the fishing out at, at Port Mac. It's just been sensational the last few months, and the fish, I don't think they're going anywhere because they're, the bait's holding really well there.
1: Bash, you've been doing a bit of work with uh, Vic Fisheries Authority. Can you tell us a bit about that? Obviously, they do a wonderful job uh, right throughout the state, whether it's stocking different river systems, uh, estuaries, lakes, you name it. Um, what's the work that you've been doing with them and, uh, and what have they got coming up? Because we see, you know, we, we mentioned it off the top of the show as uh, around the stocking of brown trout uh, and rainbow trout this week. But what's been uh, your involvement with it?
2: My, my involvement is more so just to continue to um, motivate people to get into fishing um, and, and, and get involved, and anyone can pick up a rod on land, uh, wherever it may be. Just get out there and enjoy. And we, we've seen how fishing has grown, not only on boats these days. When you go out for a snapper fish, it's so hard to, to anchor because um, boats out there. Plenty of fish for everyone. The limits. Help that, like
0: with the limit on. So that, that's all it is. You know, just, for me, um, that's all. Just trying to motivate people to get involved. In for everyone, like, doesn't discriminate uh, who you are. So yeah. Bash. Now I'm obviously uh, relatively close mates with Patrick here, and uh, he's a little bit of a stretch at times. Not too close. Yeah, uh, he, he, uh, yeah. We still we keep our distance here and there, but he. Uh, He's a bit of a stress head at times, and uh, he, he tries and blames the footy thing here and there. <laughs> How's it going to be after the after the life of footy with the fishing side of things? They're taking a load off your shoulders now that you can get, call up the boys and go right? Let's go to Port Mac because like I I try and get Pat, Pat, come on mate, you got your both sitting there. Let's go to Port Mac and he's, go training. I can't go. I've got this media. I can't go. And well, the cats are looking mighty fine, if you know, if you ask me, Bash at the moment. So he's got to keep training. But I'm trying to. get him <laughs> How do you feel now, mentally, away from the game a little bit, and basically, how am I going to? Is Pat's mood going to get better in a few in a few years when he knocks off footy?
2: Oh, mate, it's. Uh, I'll be honest, it's the dream come true. I I don't want to put footy down uh, by, by by any means, you know. Football's what it's provided, the opportunities and stuff like that. But yep, what life has to offer right now is 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 quite great. It's, it's very balanced. Um, actually. I've been fishing a fair bit. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's out of balance. Ask Ash's <laughs> wife, and it's
2: like, <laughs> but, um, you know, even my little eight-year-old daughter knows that. Daddy, we're not going to spend a bit more time with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard, I've like, got so much time on my hands now where I can just pick up, hook the boat on, make one phone call. Yeah. Um, you know, have to have a tag on. It's look, it's been so good. Uh, I, the important thing post football is always preparing. You to yourself or preparing yourself for life after footy. So it's having something having to fall back on. It. I've always wanted to have like a part time job, but it's something that I you know, can easily walk out of the game, take up a, a role in the, in the media department, uh, commentary, whatever it may be. Um, but it takes your weekends away, it takes the time to speak. You know, I just wanted that freedom, and I think, you know, having the foundation up and running, got a great group of, uh, of staff, allows. Allows me to be able to do the stuff I enjoy, and you know, you're never worried about when you're stepping away, going away. You know, the job's going to get done at work, um, and when I'm there, I just I do I do I do my uh, my best, to keep yeah. happy, and uh, uh, yeah, make a difference.
0: You've got a you got a chance, Pat. You've got a chance.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's a really interesting topic, Bash, because it's something obviously that's been um, you know circulating throughout the media, probably for for most of you know this season around career transition around the anxiety of you have such structure within a football club. They tell you, you know, when to eat, when to sleep, when to roll up and when to go home. And then all of a sudden it finishes and you are now the master of your own kingdom to a a certain extent where you don't have that big brother eye over everything that you do. What's your advice around those that, you know, these next five weeks for a lot, there's going to be a lot of players transitioning out of the system. Um, If they haven't necessarily been preparing for that, you know, is there things that you can do to make it easier? Because I would assume that even though the end of something that's been so um, substantial to your life, it is only part of your life.
2: Yeah, that's um. It's a tough one. I wish I've got the, the absolute perfect answer, but I think i touched on it before. It's about having something to fall back on, and that's been the messaging ever since you walk in the doors in the AFL industry. From you know the PA and and um, you know the the um, the development group, uh, personal development group at the footy club is always about planning, planning um, your life away from footy because not only. It sets you up or gives you something to do after footy, but it also gets your mind off footy whilst you're playing footy. So, for those who are not are still playing footy, it's important to have something to fall back on and to, to keep your mind away from footy because we know how consuming it is. And for those who are, you know, obviously coming towards the end, um, you know, my, my advice is to, to try to find something you're passionate You know, sometimes it's hard to to pinpoint something because you might not have a profession. Like I'm, I had no profession, but for me, I was passionate about community work and that, which was up and going for the last nineteen years. So it's helped me personally. But, you know, as soon as you can, try to find out what you're passionate about off field and start to develop yourself so that when you finish football, you can walk straight into it. Um, I
0: like how he says community work there, Pat, because the barrel tuna that he's catching, I <laughs> know, eating well, quite well.
2: Feeding the community. <laughs> five my barrel. I've got, any, I've got about four or five deliveries that I, uh, <laughs> I. You know what? It's great. Everyone gets a good feed.
0: Um, uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming on, Bash. I look forward to seeing you out in the water soon and throwing another red bait at you across yeah, from another boat.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so, I must have. Didn't work at all, but um. Mate, funny, I, I can't believe I threw them back in. I realised I should have just left them and uh, cry back them and used them next time. But anyway, the things you learn. Yes,
1: you, you should, should have.
0: have. You should have. <laughs> our, well,
1: Bashar Huli, our Snapper special guest this morning. Bash
0: as well. Snapper season's <laughs> coming and they love red bait.
1: <laughs> Bashar Huli, our special guest for all aboard. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Thanks, Bashar. See
2: you, guys. Take care. Reds tip for Anaconda. Anaconda just got a whole lot bigger. Don't miss their Adventure HQ Grand Opening Celebration.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures. Bashar Huli, he's an absolute star. One what, what of the nicest people I think I've ever met in footy, Redmond. Uh, another star of the AFL but a long time retired is, of course, former Brownlow medalist uh, Gavin Wanganeen. Gav, phenomenal player. Made you know, time around him slow down. Unfortunately, Aaron, throughout the week, uh, Gav couldn't make the tide slow down as he found himself in a serious spot of bother. So this week we've decided to combine both the tip and the gaff. And the great Gavin Wanganine unfortunately receives the gaff and just reminds us, Redmond, that if you are gonna Head fall driving on the beach, the maxi tracks really are a must because <laughs> he's, he's done a bit of damage to the car, Coco.
0: Just a little bit. Uh, if you're going to look for a secondhand car and the name's Gavin on the uh, saddle <laughs> list, do not buy that car. <laughs> That's Red's tip of the week. Do not buy that car because it is screwed. <laughs> it's a big uh, job.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, for those that, um, Uh, Unaware, (laughs) unfortunately, Gav found himself found himself in a uh, in a spot of bother uh, around Beachport uh, with the vehicle coming unstuck. And geez, we've got waves coming over the top. Gav put a very very funny video up uh, on his Instagram. Uh, I think it was titled "Pretty Interesting Morning." Thanks to the amazing people of Beachport who helped us out of this mess. but as you said, we probably wouldn't be purchasing that as a second-hand vehicle, Redmond.
0: Yeah, no, nah, definitely not. And it's funny enough because at porting, I'm not going to say the same spot, but somewhere similar, I nearly had the ocean not waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually feel for him because I don't think there's – I didn't get that close. I got close. I got lucky I was to wave someone down, but – Oh man, it's a horrible feeling. And the ocean does not wait for anyone. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter who you are, Patrick. Doesn't mean if you, Gavin, Gavin Wanganea, stole football down. But it's uh, yeah, that's got to be scary. Took four hours
1: to uh, remove the car, and uh, Gabby's on the lookout. If anyone's out there looking for a cheap vehicle to uh, to let him know he can uh, he can point you in the right direction. Uh, thanks for your time this morning on Real Adventures. It's time to hit the water.
2: That was Red's tip. Don't miss Anaconda's Adventure HQ grand opening celebration.
1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. backers together and loving it. TNC's apply.